Welcome to the first uh, seminar in um, the Building Digital Capacity for the Arts. Uh, it's a new programme of activity in partnership with uh, the BBC and the Arts Council. So it's a pretty exciting new thing. And, uh, and obviously I'm ridiculously excited to be uh, chairing it today, so much so I can just feel that slight sense of nervousness there. Um, we've got a really uh, packed session and we want this session to be as practical uh, as possible. We absolutely do not want a session that's about the philosophy of the thing. We don't want it to be a journalistic commentary of the thing. We want it to be the thing itself. We want to be working out today uh, what IPTV means, what it's going to do for you, uh, what apps are, what the marketplaces are, what the development costs are, the hidden stories behind the projects. We want to actually burrow a layer deeper and get to get to a position where we can work out how does it affect what we do as arts organisations. So first off, so this actually is, works for both the, the apps world and the IPTV world. What's it going to do for you? I sound like a barrel boy, right? But what's it going to do for you? What's it going to do for your arts organisation? Yeah? What's it going to do for me, perhaps, if I was one of you? What's it going to do for me? And then the next one is, actually, forget me for the minute. What's it going to do for my audience? What do my audience want from it? Because I'm not just designing for me, I'm not just designing for my desires, and I'm not just designing for me to look like I have the latest thinking. And then thirdly, what's it going to do for the art? Because every single one of you here represents some kind of art form. Perhaps artists yourselves, you're perhaps uh, one of those people that lives parallel lives, both in an arts organisation and making stuff. What's this, what are these new technology platforms going to do to change the art itself? because often that is the way, and sometimes we need to embrace that. And as soon as I thought those, I thought, oh, there's a negative version of all three of those questions, which I actually prefer. So, what will it stop you doing? So say you started doing some IPTV programming tomorrow, what's it stopping you from doing that you'd rather be doing? What's it getting in the way of? Because actually, to have a balanced view about this technology, we need to ask what it's going to not do, as well as what it is going to do. We can't all be techno-utopians about this. That's just me, right? Um, What's it going to stop your audience doing? Right now, there are ways that you want your audience to behave. You know it. I've sat in meetings where we've thought, what we really want our audiences to do is this and this and this and then see this poster and then buy this ticket and then come along and have a jolly good time. What, is the, what are these new platforms also going to stop in that process that we really value right now? And how are we going to make sure it doesn't do that? And then finally, how is it going to make the art worse off? Now, that was obviously a really weird thing for me to say, chairing a session about the opportunities, right? But we have to admit that every new technology changes the face and shape of the way we make our expressions. No matter, you know, artists are, are extremely early adopters of technology. We know that. And every single time they do that, it changes the art form. And sometimes, we have to admit, it changes it for the worse. Sometimes it makes it less expressive. Sometimes it makes it more elitist. Sometimes... It just, the quality, the qualitative experience around it diminishes. So what I want you to do today is have that sense of balance. Yeah, I want everyone to be thinking what the possibilities are, how can we connect with each other, how can we reach out to other arts organisations, how can we go and find great developers. But I also want you to be thinking, where are the pitfalls here? What's it going to stop what I already love doing? What's it going to stop our audiences enjoying? Um, what we're going to do is we're going to start off uh, with a, a, an interestingly different take on this. We're going to start with a, an overview of what IPTV uh, means. It's, it's without doubt one of the most, um, 
all-encompassing terms. I suspect if all of us today uh, wrote down on a little pad, like a kind of party game, what we thought IPTV meant for us personally, we'd probably find that there'd be about 75 different definitions for it. So what Colin's going to do uh, is going to give us a sense of uh, how the BBC sees it, some of the work that we're doing in that space, uh, and hopefully a sense of how the audience is beginning to perceive it now uh, as, a, as a really early technology. So I'd like to welcome Colin Savage to the stage, please. Hello. Welcome indeed. I was going to say hello and welcome to TC3. Have you been here before? TC3 is where they do Harry Hill every Saturday. And it's nice being in a studio, isn't it? It feels like we're doing production or something, so it's great. Um, this really is a new reader start here, so I apologise if some of you are experts and, and know all this sort of stuff. But um, I'd like to ask, you know, have you bought anything from Curry's recently? Probably haven't bought anything that doesn't have an Ethernet port on the back. Bit scary, that, isn't it? Telebox, DVD player, Blu-ray player, all of this stuff, everything probably has an Ethernet port on the back. Your kids, the PlayStation, the Wii, whatever, all have an Ethernet port. So what does that mean? And what happens when you actually connect these things to the internet or your home network? So let's start off with that thought. Um, so really, this is going to be an introduction to connected television. We're calling it connected television because it's a bit more friendly than IPTV, Internet Protocol Television. I don't know what it means either, really. You know, Connected television, when your television is really connected to the Internet. Um, background trends, I think this is really interesting because they're very, very confusing. Um, you'll see that actually, you know, you ask people about um, Internet television, they'll come up with a whole range of boxes, a whole range of services, and it's all very, very confusing. What will it look like? I've got two things to show you, which might inspire, I hope, some of the work the BBC is doing, how it will actually look. I think that's quite exciting. And what can it do for my brand? I've called it a brand. I think you work with brands, even in the arts organisations you work for. What's it going to do for you? Same question as Justin came up with, really. So what is connected television? I'm going to ask this table down here. What boxes do you have at home already? How do you watch television? Silence. I love it. Recorded, but what with? Have you got a free view box? Or do you know what it is even? Old. Old. <laughs> cable. Virgin cable? Anyone else with Virgin cable here? I've got Virgin cable. Free view box. Free view boxes. A lot of you taking up free view boxes. Even for your second televisions, a lot of free view boxes for your kids in other rooms. Digital television. How about satellite? Anyone got Sky because of the footy? I bet. Or FreeSat? Even. Anyone got the FreeSat box? No. I love it. <laughs> FreeSat box is pretty good. They're about 30 quid now. You can go out. If you've actually got a dish, you can buy one for 30 quid. You can get all of those lovely European channels you get in hotels. It's wonderful. <laughs> so, very, very useful bit of kit. So, TV we've got from analog, haven't we? Here we are in TC3. They started in 1960 with black and white here, moved to color. Then, of course, analog went to digital. We're talking really about this sort of third generation of television now. So TV's gone from analog to digital. We sort of know that, don't we, with Freeview. Cable, Virgin Media, we've had. Satellite, it can be Sky, that walled garden of Sky, all the services they provide, or even FreeSat now, which is basically the box that was developed to mean that you don't have to pay a subscription. You can get all these channels anyway. Um, so I would just ask you now, out of all the people who've got those boxes, who's actually plugged it into your home broadband or internet? Anyone? <coughs> Love it. Three people, I think. We see these are the early adopters. Does it work? Does it do anything? Yeah, it does. Very, very good. 
Um, what it's going to do for you when you plug your box in is probably bring you a lot of services which you wouldn't have thought about before on your television. A lot of them really aren't formatted for television yet, look a bit messy, but you can imagine the sort of things that are going to come up. We've got Love Film, which is the same as Netflix in America. Anyone use it? Love Film, the DVDs? Soon that'll be streaming on your telly. Um, things like the Telegraph or the Times, if you use that on your iPad. Things like YouTube or Flickr. Anyone watch YouTube on their television yet? There you go. So I thought I'd sum it up for you. Here you go. This is the sort of thing our telly does at the minute, does it not? Um, scheduled telly, we're used to that, aren't we? You know, last night the BAFTAs have to be there for it. It's a live event type thing. Red button, uh, I think it's 18 million people a week now press the red button, really because it's the same sort of grammar as teletext. Do you remember you used to get the news and sport really quick in the weather? A lot of people still press the red button so you can get all those services very quick. But even on Eurovision, you could have the words up and the foreign language up at the same time. And most people now saving stuff to their hard drive. So your Freeview box, does it have a hard drive? You can start coming up with your own schedule. You all sort of know that now, don't you? We're used to that PVR thing, personal video recorder, as they used to call it. So computers, you know this. Here you are at work at lunchtime. You can do all these things for free, can't you? So you've got web pages, iPlayer. Um, Anyone use the iPlayer here? I'm sure you probably all do. There you go. Massive, isn't it? That black and pink um, sort of thing, you just find everywhere now. Um, games, certainly if you're on PC games. Um, web services, by that I mean things like YouTube or whatever it is. And e-commerce, of course. Amazon, the way that we shop now. You wouldn't dream of going on holiday, would you, without looking at the hotel to see if it's built or even... <laughs> Well, <laughs> watchdog again. Or, or um, you know, uh, buying a book without finding it cheaper on Amazon. If, if you go up top of the court road now and ask the poor guys that sell the kit, they say, don't say Amazon or else we're not going to match the price. They can't. So don't even mention it. Don't even go in there and say, can I have it for the price of, of Amazon? It's impossible. Um, mobile phones, of course, we're used to this as well. Text, voice communication, but it's now photos, isn't it? It's mobile internet. doesn't work very well yet unless you've got an iPhone, maybe. Not showing favoritism there. Apps, of course, the world of the App Store didn't, they didn't exist two or three years ago, but now everything's about app stores, isn't it? Downloading things, making money, them for free or, or for two pence or 79 pence. Um, location sensitive. There was the scandal, wasn't there, the, the recently, that you know, I, I, um, the iPhones were recording where you are all the time. Um, but most of the phones are doing it at the same time. They know where you are now, so they're going to sell to you exactly where you are. Um, location sensitivity. What will um, plugging your boxes in do? It'll move quite a few of these things over. So this is quite fun, isn't it? Your television box could start doing web pages. Might look a bit messy, might need to be reformatted. Um, it could do things like YouTube. A lot of them do now. Um, it could start being location sensitive to some degree because... IP means that you can tell where your box is to some effect. For certainly within the BBC, we know that you're in the UK, so we can make sure that the UK programmes only play to a UK audience and not outside. So those sort of things move across. And here's the trends that we saw, and I have to thank Decipher for this. It's Nigel Wally's work, but I think this is really interesting too. The trends we see. If you've bought a television recently, a Sony telly or a Samsung telly, they probably said to you when you bought it, you can plug it in and it has the internet on it. There probably isn't a big television you could buy for your lounge now that wasn't ready to be plugged in. Not great services. If you plug your Sony television in at the minute, it gives you a few widgets like your, like your computer, time, RSS feeds, uh, a computer. 
not great, but you can imagine there, there's the potential of an app store, isn't there, to start throwing things down at you ready for your television set. Next, we have things like new devices becoming TV devices. This is quite interesting, isn't it? iPads, any iPads in the room? Got them? You can watch telly off that now. You probably wouldn't dream of watching telly um, you know, in a hotel or something like that on the television screen. You'd probably get your iPad out instead. Sky Player, Virgin Player, they all have internet versions now. So if you're a member of their club, you can watch the television there as well on the internet. Boxy, Apple TV, heard of all these things. They're streaming television boxes. If you plug them into your internet, you can watch films. You can get mini sort of iTunes stores. It's all very confusing. Lots of different boxes all offering you what we would have called television in the olden days. The next thing I thought we should isolate is the third one. Um, TV systems adopting web-like capabilities. It's hard finding things in telly still, isn't it? It's still word of mouth. People say, have you seen Sherlock? Have you seen this? Soon you will be searching as good as Google on your television set. That will be weird, won't it? It'll mean actually the schedule probably fragments a bit more or you find what you want quicker. Depends how you look at it. But those sort of web services and abilities will come to your screen. Sharing, um, commenting, sending to your friends saying this is great. All that stuff is coming to your television set too. And then integration and convergence. I think this is really interesting. Um, imagine a world where you were watching the television program you shouldn't be at work during lunch. Then you got your iPad out on the bus and it remembered where you were. And then you got home and then it threw it to your television screen. That's what's going to happen. It'll remember where you are, and then you'll be able to watch the different thing on whatever device you want. So you're sort of device agnostic. I was watching 24, and then it sort of transfers across. I think that's really interesting, too. How are we doing? All very good? All very confusing, isn't it? I get completely lost. So please, you know, when I'm sat here, I was saying, tell me what question it is, because it's, it's like a minefield out there. Um, the way I put it is this. Say you wanted to watch the BAFTAs last night and you didn't watch it live on your telly box, how could you watch it now? Virgin, Virgin Media, you could look back over the last seven days and you could watch it um, video on demand. Um, you could watch it on your PlayStation, if you've got your PlayStation plugged in. You could watch it on your Blu-ray player, if you've got one of them, and plugged it in as well. That's got iPlayer on it too. iPad's got iPlayer. Your computer's iPlayer. Your TV soon, Sony TV will have an iPlayer app too. That's hundreds, in effect, of different ways of watching the iPlayer, even, in your lounge. All very confusing. And you say, do they all look the same, Colin? Has the BBC come up with a system where it all looks like iPlayer? Um, they've thought about that, and they've become device agnostic. They're going to deliver in three flavours. Technically, I won't go into um, detail, but Flash, HTML, and HMHEG, if you are the tech. And that means whatever device it goes on, it will look sort of the same. But there's hundreds of ways of getting the iPlayer now. So it is very, very confusing. At the end of the day, you know, don't worry about this. Don't panic. I find it very, very confusing as well. Shifting by the day too. So um, what's the BBC doing here? I'm representing the BBC. This is the BBC Academy. What do we mean? Um, you might have heard in the papers a thing called Project Canvas. Project Canvas became called UView. And UView is just one of the boxes available. And I have to say that because of all the regulation around it. So what does the UView box mean? UView is an IPTV box. Um, and it's put together by a consortium of public service broadcasters. So we got together with Channel 4 and 5. And the idea is to come up with some sort of open platform and open standard for the industry. Because as you can tell, it's very, very confusing. 
it means that a lot of people are going to have accessibility, hopefully, to your content without it being too difficult for them. Imagine, you're, you're, you know, like my mother, she has to go to one box and plug it in. It needs to be something simple. It needs to feel like it's an upgrade of Freeview, in effect. And it's a benchmark, so there is a big black book written of what has to be in a UView box. So it has to have a hard drive, has to be able to run Flash, has to be internet um, compatible. So you sort of get it. It's only one flavor, and it's meant to be the open standard. There are lots of other things around. What will win, I don't know. But hopefully UView, as an open standard, will be there at least for the free-to-air providers. I think of it really simply as this. You know on the front of televisions now or anything, it says the Freeview sticker. The Freeview sticker really sort of guarantees that telly does Freeview or the box does. There might be a sticker with UView on, and it'll say UView. That means it's, the capability is it does UView services. Five minutes to go. Jolly, jolly good. I'm going to show you some of these things. Let me cheer you up rather than me talk all the way through. The good thing about me showing this is it crashes my computer, so you're going to love this because I'll be able to get out of it. Here's a film of the sort of services the BBC is already running in this area. So... Um, if you had a free sat box out there, you could have connected it to the internet and you would have these services there already. It tells automatically that you've got an internet um, cable provided on it. So let me just start this up and show you some of the things we've done. So we need sound for this, guys, if it's all right. There we go. It's Bit. 10 years since the BBC first pioneered interactive services on TV. And now over 12 million people press the red button every week. And in 2010, the BBC's in-house team made another technology breakthrough. The first ever hybrid application combining content from broadcast TV and the internet. This TV app is our initial step towards true convergence on screen. Launched in time for the 2010 World Cup, the app is a first of its kind. Available on the new generation of internet-connected FreeSat boxes, it allows viewers to navigate seamlessly from live TV to a host of additional clips. And internet delivery means broadcast limitations around bandwidth no longer apply. So as well as serving popular TV shows and mainstream events, the app helps support niche propositions that currently struggle to fit in a crowded schedule. That's a good starter. The application can be easily reskinned to work with different TV brands by both in-house and independent production teams. The app has already been deployed in support of these key BBC services. Welcome to my world of invention. Despite the limited number of hybrid boxes currently on the market, the service is already tested very well with audiences and is a great indication of things to come as internet TV goes mainstream. But audiences expect more from broadcasters than simply TV and video on demand. The real breakthrough is invisibly integrating both TV and internet systems to create innovative new services that broadcast alone just can't deliver. So uh, don't say we don't treat you right. So let me. Oh, look, it's come out. First time ever, that's good. Um, that's what we've called a product called Concord. So Concord now is available to be reskinned for anything, really, for Glastonbury to comedy clips to whatever. So that's what we call a product, and I'm going to talk about that later. A product meaning something that you can resize, reskin, and once you've made the investment, you can move it around the whole business. I'll show you three more slides quickly and get rid of that one. This one I think is interesting for the BBC 
and just to show you what you might think the BBC is doing. Um, obviously, the BBC will still do live t TV and radio, but the red button will become more contextual. So if you press the red button, it'll mean that it'll actually give you a game if it was kids. It might give you the words if it was a song uh, program. It might give you other contextual stuff. The other thing that's important for the BBC, I think, as well, is a backwards EPG, the Electronic Programme Guide. And the cleverness of this means that when you get your programme guide up, it'll go back seven days as well. So those are the two things I would say we're really concentrating on at the BBC. We've got our massive archive. You'll have massive archives as well, I'm sure, as arts organisations. And that's where all the rich content comes from too. And products. But for me, I wanted to show you the sweet spot because a brilliant IPTV app will combine the three seamlessly so that the audience at home does not realise what's going on and also looks at it as a content experience without it being just something that's jagged around the edges. And my last slide, this one. Most important to us at the BBC, I would say, is the audience behaviours around this, because unless we understand what the audience is going to do, I think we're a bit stuck. So I would think, think about how you could direct the audience. We have services like Glastonbury or Wimbledy with, uh, Wimbledon, I should say, sorry, um, which have multiple screens, and there you can choose what tennis court you go to or what rock stage you look to. They can direct themselves. How can they join in Eurovision style, karaoke style, or sound and music style if you're in a cinema? Um, how can they comment? I think this is interesting too. Question time. You can imagine IPTV question time would really take off, wouldn't it? Um, but that also means like TiVo and Amazon like reviews, doesn't it? Sharing stuff, messaging, Facebook and games. Doctor Who is kept alive 24-7 by the games on the internet, but I'm sure they'll be on the television soon as well, soon as well for those kids. And contributing. We do things like Lab UK for Van Gogh's The Theory, but how can you collect data and use it to drive a project as well? So I think that's really easy. So my top three, so I'm not dragged off by hook, are these three things. One, don't panic. Honestly, it's really, really confusing for everyone. Two, start with the audience behaviours, because I think that's where it really, really starts for you. And try and think of products instead of programmes. Think of things which will, can be reskinned, scaled, and work for other arts organisations in partnership as well. And that's it, Justin. Thank you. Thank you very much, Colin. It's a pleasure. I'm going to unhook.